Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Blog Talk Radio. Jacqueline Taylor Adams. Jim, how are you this morning, this afternoon, this evening? (laughs) I'm feeling fine. It's a beautiful California day. How's it there in Philadelphia? Well, it's been a little cloudy and rainy for the past few days, but the weather, you know, the temperature is nice, nice and cool. I'm really excited about uh, tonight's show. Uh, Deidre is an old friend from the old... uh, uh, Yahoo uh, e-groups days. She's been around uh, forever and a day. But she's still a young lady, but she's been around and she knows her way in the tech world. All right. Well, um, Deidre is on the line, so we'll get ready to bring her in. Did you have anything else you wanted to say? Well, I just want everybody thank everybody for their support for the Urban Tech Fair. I want you all to remember that the Urban Tech Fair is about you in the spirit of Ubuntu. We are because of all that you do out there in the cyber world. As we say so often, our mission is to demonstrate that Silicon Valley exists in your own backyard, whether you're in St. Louis, whether you're in Miami, or whether you're in Texas. You have the resources, tech skills, and the abilities to succeed in a dot-com world. Okay. And just for everyone, this is the official radio broadcast of the Urban Tech Fair. So you can go to www.urbantechfair.org. We want to send a shout-out to Cynthia. She's also in the chat room, everybody that's in the chat room. You know, make sure you introduce yourself in the chat room, and you can put your links in. 
And if you're out there, be ready to call in for with questions and comments for our guests, as well as to let us know what you're doing in tech and what's happening in your area. So we're going to bring on our special guest, Deidre Ramsey McIntyre. Hi, Deidre. Hi, how are you? Good evening. Good evening. How are you doing, Deidre? I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. It, you know, it was a little slow getting up this morning, and I was like so glad it was a 10 p.m. in the evening interview. Because <laughs> I'm sure it's the same. It's the same in Philadelphia as in Central Jersey. So it was just a rainy, gloomy day, and I felt as good as the weather. And I, and I think around 10 o'clock, I was like, oh, I think I need to lay down. <laughs> so I'm, feel, I'm, I'm feeling much better. I'm very excited this evening. Alrighty. You know, I was saying earlier, I've been knowing you what, uh, since the uh, 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 late 90s, I think, when you were on the uh, uh, e-group before they switched over to Yahoo. That's right. In in the late 90s, I was, um, I'd say around 1997, I was at a dot-com, um, which is a precursor to Facebook in my space called the globe.com. I was working in New York City, living where I'm from, which is on Long Island, New York. And about a year into that company, I started a uh, an e-group called the Dime List. It was a an offshoot of my then redibis.com website, which was more of a not-for-profit. And the objective was to try to search and find out where other, you know, African Americans were in in the tech space because I was working such long hours when I was at the Globe.com, and at that time in '97, our place was on uh, 21st Street um, in in Manhattan, and we were actually right above what would become Justin's Restaurant. So, uh, uh, Sean Puff, P. Diddy Combs, and and we remember when they had the grand opening, we were upstairs working, as a matter of fact. And I missed that whole era of music. The only time I would see him is if I was going out for lunch, and at that time I was so engrossed into what was going on in the tech scene. I was like, who is this brother with the bodyguard walking down the street? I had no idea who he was because I was going to get something to eat to run back upstairs to get back on the computer. To And at that time, many people didn't even know, even though at that time when I started we had 250,000 members, uh, we were still basically using modems to access and update the site at that time. We hadn't even had any, you know, fiber optics. Um So about a year in at that company, you know, there weren't that many people of color and Myself and another coworker who is an African American, he helped me design and launch the site. And I was like, I'm just curious to see who's out there. And of the initial people who joined that dime list after just putting it up everywhere, you know, join it and us network or whatever, I'm still close to quite a few of them. You know, many of them were right in the New York City metropolitan area, and I would actually later meet them in person. But you know, Jim, I think was the furthest away, but it was able for us to get in touch and see what people were doing in different parts of the country, and we found out we had some of the same issues that um, we were dealing with this, you know, which was then more commonly called the digital divide, but there was also another divide, an issue of um, black entrepreneurship in the tech space, which I'm glad to see has improved, but, you know, in terms of being reported by the mass media was still pretty much invisible. Well, you know, I'm sure that through your relationship, because I know that you have inspired me as well as many others, that you have uh, uh, helped create, motivate, or counsel a few P. Diddy's in the dot-com world. 
<laughs> a, a few of them, and actually some of them have mentored me. That Out of that initial group, um, I think, uh, you know, I got to meet in person um, Franklin Madison, who was with a, a, a organization called Intact, which really dealt with a lot of uh, giving entre- tech entrepreneurs funding who were going to then work in terms of the government, in terms of NASA and, and, and funding for private companies. Um, Bob Ponce, who had actually, you know, when he became a member of the, of the group, um, I remember looking at his bio and saying, wow, I knew the organization that he was president of, which was the World Wide Web Artists Consortium. As a matter of fact, I had gone to a few World Wide Web Artists Consortium meetings, and that was like the, the major uh, web-based tech organization in New York City, and if you showed up there, not only were you in a minority if you were a woman, because you could probably count on two hands the number of women were there. Well, the number of black people, I would glance around and I would see, okay, there's Avalon Archer and there's Omar Wasaw on the podium, and then there was maybe two or three other people, and that was it out of a room full of 100 or 150 people. So Bob Ponce was president of that organization, and I remember when he became a member of the Dime List, which was the e-group discussion group in which we all chatted and shared information, I was like, well, how did you become president of that? Because you just came out of nowhere. (laughs) So um, we became friendly, and, you know, he still to this day remains close to a lot of people um, in the the high-tech space. Um, So a lot of those people that were a part of that initial group were themselves the lone, you know, black figure within their space, and they gave a lot of console. Um, I think I gave a lot of consult to people who were basically entrepreneurs and trying to figure out how to land a position at a company such as theglobe.com. And at that time, theglobe.com was very close in proximity to iVillage, which was the women's base online community sent the website at the time. And a uh, double click wasn't far. And, you know, so a lot of people were trying to gain inroads into how do I go from being an independent coder to being hired within, you know, some of the major um, New York companies that were coming out at the time. So I kind of served in, in that capacity of, of mentoring, you know, where people could improve on their skills and how they could try to get in and move around within that space. Um, but for the most part, it was, the objective was really to keep people talking to one another as much as possible. And the best way to do it was to digitally because even when I was working full-time before I left in '99. I was pretty much at the at the office for so long. It wasn't nine to five. It was you know nine to six, seven. You know, and then you get out and, and repeat it all over again. Um, sometimes even later, and sometimes come in a little bit earlier. So a lot of your time was spent at the office. So there weren't times to actually go and and make a mixer or do something like that. So whenever you can chat during the day was the best time to network. Well, we've kind of jumped ahead of uh, Jackie's favorite question, and we always like to humanize uh, some of the people that we have on the show because, uh, as we say with the Urban Tech Fair, that, you know, we are because of you, and and you, uh, uh, your beginning and your interest and your passion in tech, as Jackie would like to say, uh, uh, tell us about the uh, the person. Uh, Jackie, how do you phrase that? Let me get it right. Jackie might be doing double duty on the uh, on the chat room as we talk, but tell us about uh, how you got involved in technology and 
and the influences that brought you into uh, the dot-com world? Well, my background is actually uh, uh, journalism. Um, my earliest recollection of me saying what I wanted to be when I grew up was basically a newspaper reporter, and that was, you know, maybe nine, ten years old when I started writing for, like, school journals and then eventually school papers and yearbooks and things like that at the uh, elementary level. And uh, I ended up graduating from um, school, Malvern High School in Long Island, and going off to West Virginia University as a, as a um, print journalism major and graduated with a journalism degree. And, you know, fortunately, because I was also, when I was in college, I was also an inroads intern. So um, I would come home my summers and go off to, I had two sponsoring companies. The first was um, American International Group, uh, an insurance company on Wall Street, and they were uh, – Basically, I was in their corporate communications department, and I was there for a few summers. And then my last summer, I was with Mutual of New York, which was also an insurance company, and I was in their media relations. So it's still communications. But because I was with those companies, I had an early introduction to using computers uh, to do certain things, more so than uh, as a part of my major. Because at that time, you're talking 1988 to 1992, um, you know, you had a computer lab, but there were no computers in dorm rooms or students giving tablets as undergraduates. There wasn't that great of an exposure, so it wasn't uncommon for people to graduate at that time without any, you know, sitting down at a, a, a laptop at all. However, when when I entered the corporate arena, I had to, at that time we, we were using, uh, I guess, uh, like Corel WordPerfect or something like that. And, uh, you know, it, it was it was really, you know, it wasn't what it was today, but because I had to work on that and put put articles related to the company on some type of server, I had an early introduction to some type of network computing. And um, when I graduated, I actually didn't go with any of the sponsoring companies that I had because I, I really had a burning desire to be a part of the real newspaper world. So I went with community journalism. And right away I became the go-to person for, even though we were using the old Mac classics at the time, because media is traditionally a Mac world uh, um, in terms of what they use for layout, and at least at that time. And so the small Mac classic, and I'm doing page maker and laying things out, but I also had an introduction already to at least AOL. And at the same time, about a year after I graduated, I ended up taking a part-time job with, which, and this isn't even on my LinkedIn profile because I don't even remember, aside from the owner of the company, I don't even remember the people that I, I, I work with, but there's a company in Baldwin, uh, New York, called Educational Activities, the software producer for the education industry, and I take a, took a part-time job with them three days a week. And it was from them, and they, they gave me this title of producer, and I knew nothing, but essentially they just needed someone who had a strong English writing background, and I started learning from the developers that were there that, hey, you know, you can use something called CompuServe, which, you know, for me that was foreign because AOL is really marketed to the masses, but use CompuServe, and there was a, a back way that you can get to this thing called the Internet, and you could search. I, I can't even remember half of the things I used. I remember using Archie and, and uh, at some point telnetting. And, but they were basically instructing me versus the other way around, which usually producers 
kind of are the leads, but they were basically telling me, hey, I need a snippet of software that can do this so I can add it to the software that I'm developing so that we can create this program that's all going to do all these different features. So it basically had me as, you know, essentially I was the human gopher going for all these different types of software applications and going on to these online bulletin boards and asking questions on behalf of the developers so they could create software, in which in turn they would sell to the schools. So I was getting a crash course right there in technology, not coming from a technology background, coming from a communications background. And I stayed there for doing the two jobs for a year. And then eventually I went back into full-time uh, newspaper reporting um, at a weekly paper in Brooklyn in Starrett City, a paper that was owned by um, Starrett uh, and But I was forever changed because even there I had started a column about, you know, this whole an Internet world. And this was, I think, I think I was at Starrett at 94. So, yeah, 94 to 97. And I was writing about how you could search for jobs in your pajamas and, and this thing about the web. And, and then I started, you know, going into Manhattan. Um, there was a uh, – well, let me back up. While I was working for the – Paper in Brooklyn. I started. I landed my first freelance job for a tech publication called .NET Magazine. Now .NET Magazine is still a British publication, technology publication, but at one time they had an American version, which was a print magazine. And I had found this woman online who was looking for a writer to write website reviews. And I was like, oh, I could do that because that's the main thing I know how to do. I don't know how to code anything, but I know how to search and find a website. And, say what I like and don't like about it. And I wrote for three issues of .NET, the printed magazine that was geared towards the American audience. And um, the person who hired me to this day, I wouldn't know what she looked like. Um, she referred to herself as blue-haired girl. She was out in California. <laughs> and I know she was there for three months because when she was replaced, I got basically got fired because it was really it was an easy job. It was like, you know, write 10 website reviews, 150 word each, and give it a, a rating system. And she apparently she had all her friends, but when she was gone and she was replaced, the, the new person brought in all his his friends to do the writing. So even though I didn't know her at all, um, it was great exposure. And in one of those issues, there was because uh, she would send me a copy of an issue every time uh, the three issues that I was published in, there was an article about a, a New York group that was meeting called Web Girls, um, and it was founded by a woman named Eliza Sherman. And I was like, wow, that's right here in, in Manhattan, and they meet evenings so I could leave Brooklyn, jump on a train, and head into Manhattan and actually learn how to do this HTML coding. So I started going to those monthly meetings, and that further changed me because I was like, wow, now I actually know how to you know, code and create these web pages. And at that time, Web Girls was... Um, was potluck. It was like, you know, bring a dish of food <laughs> and <laughs> we'll have these meetings and you stand up and you say, because um, they had the networking meetings. and I love their networking meetings. I think they're perfect even for today, even though we're talking about at this point, we're talking maybe in 1996. Um, they're perfect because they weren't meeting in a bar. They weren't meeting, you know, over drinks. They were meeting in a a, a wide room with open space, you know, some 150 women, chairs pulled out, dishes of food all around the table, and they say, okay, for the first two hours, however, we're not going to eat. You're going to stand up, you know, sign the sheet if you want to speak, and these are the rules for speaking. 
You stand up, you state your name, you give your email address. You say, this is what I want, and this is what I can barter in return. So everything was not, nothing was really based on how much money you had to pay for anything. So you could stand up and say, hello, my name is Deidre McIntyre, and I uh, need to learn HTML, and what I can give is a free recipe on how to make a 7-Up cake from scratch. And then you sit down, and then the next person would go, next person would go, and they'd do it for about an hour and a half, and then someone was taking notes. Um, uh, Lisa Skrilloff, I believe, was her name, but for the most part was taking notes, and she's still on LinkedIn. She has, runs a multicultural marketing um, publication, and you would get this email from Lisa and saying, the very next day, saying, here are the notes of everyone, in case you didn't write it down yourself. Please follow up. And all of a sudden, someone's emailing you saying, hey, yeah, I could use that cake recipe. I'll give you X, Y, Z lesson, or I'll give you help with this, and I'll give you. So, and, and at the same time, they also actually had classes. And I showed up for a few of their classes. The classes were $5 a class. So if you didn't get the help from the networking, you could wait for their monthly classes, sign up for the classes. I think I, I, had, I spent $15 for all the HTML training I ever had. I took three classes before I realized that I probably could have learned a lot of this stuff on my own, especially now since there are a lot of resources out there now. But at that time, you know, a lot of the instructors pointed you in the direction of who had what online um, and how they learned it, either from other people or if you want to learn more, this is where you would do your follow-up lessons. So um, uh, that pretty much catapulted me. And then by 96, I had started freelance coding um, for a company on Long Island, and then I leveraged that in my interview with uh, theglobe.com. And I, I pretty much think I was hired. I was the 12th hire at theglobe.com. They, it, theglobe.com was very similar to um, uh, the magazine, uh, the the movie that featured um, supposedly uh, Zuckerberg's story. It was basically two founders coming down from Cornell University and um, they were coming down with other classmates, and they founded this online community, um, and they were, had all these funders, and this was their New York office, and they were looking to build a New York office. So when I went to an interview, basically at age, we'll see, this is 2007, so at age 26, I was older than all but one person there that they had hired a um, head of marketing who was also the only other woman at the time until two weeks later until another woman was hired. So there was one woman there, and everybody else had, you know, ponytails and jeans and sneakers and this. And um, and it was a very quick interview. And the first time I was ever offered an interview, a position right on the spot, and I said I had to think about it because it was just too much of a crazy scenario for me to digest right there what they were offering. Um, and um, I said, I'll get back to you within a couple of days. And the very next day, because I knew I was going to a job fair in Long Island for Newsday, and I really, at the time, I was thinking about going into daily newspaper um, world because that's very difficult to break into if you started with community journalism to break into the to the dailies. So that next day I went to um, Melville, Melville Long Island has an annual like minorities uh, job fair, and I went to that, and I remember sitting at a round table with uh, one of the uh, staff reporters there, and a few of us were trying to, you know, secure jobs, and there were a whole lot of newspapers from all over the place, not just 
Long Island. So they brought in all these different publications. And I remember the staff reporter there saying something to the effect of, somebody asked her, what did she think about this Internet thing? And I remember her saying, it's just a trend. It's just a phase. (laughs) Um, You know, these things come around, but, you know, Newspapers have been here all this time, and nothing. And I remember it clicked in my head: take that internet job quickly, <laughs> because they have no idea, you know, what's coming to pass, um, what young people are, are doing, and this whole different world. And besides, if if, if nothing else, it would be a you know a, a fun ride. So, um, by the when I left that fair, the, the next day I ended up giving uh, the Globe dot com call, and I, I said, "When do you want me to start?" And they were like come in Monday, and, and I was there for two and a half years, and that pretty much set me on my course, even though I did leave for a while, because, uh, you know, to be at a, at a startup for two and a half years kind of uh, is a rough ride as well, and I learned a lot, but it was a lot, I always tell people it was a lot like boot camp, so I can't imagine going being in boot camp for two and a half years. So um, I needed a break, so I ended up uh, leaving, getting my master's degree. And uh, so that's why I disappeared for you, Jim, for a while too. I let Donless kind of go by itself, and I went and got my master's degree in education and taught high school for five years. And then uh, left, and I only recently came back to full-time anyway. I never completely left. I still maintained some clients as a consultant, but I came back full-time in pretty much in about 2010. Um, and then from you know, there, I started expanding. That's almost like a, a, a history of the web right there. You know, I am uh, so honored to have you on the show. I want you to take a breath real quick and uh, be aware that this show is being recorded and it is available for download on uh, iTunes. Uh, we do have a lot of people that are unable to listen to the show live, so they download it later. So if you could tell people about your company and your contact information, your URL, and uh, your your basic elevator pitch real quick so that we can uh, uh, support what you're trying to do today. No problem. Well, my company, I, I always say it's basically a publishing company, even though I publish very different types of media. So, for instance, um, it's publishing in terms of helping small business owners um, create their web presence online, be that a, a, a actual website or a Facebook page or other social media. And then there's also the actual traditional publishing aspects of marketing materials such as business cards, brochures, menus. That that goes back to my, my, my journalism line and, and layout days. And the other aspect is, is quite new. We just um, so, slowly moving into uh, book publishing, uh, the actual print form of book as well as books formatted for Kindle and iPad and iPhone. And by books we mean novels, memoirs, um, other forms of fiction and nonfiction as well. So my web- my company is Red Ibis. Our websites are redibis.com, redibis.com, and there's also redibishosting.com. But the best place to see our portfolio is actually to look on Facebook, as both those sites sites are being redesigned right now while I'm working on client sites. Um, so the best place is to look for us on Facebook, um, and the Facebook page is Red Ibis Hosting. So www.facebook.com slash 
R E D I B I S H O S T I N G dot com. Uh, I'm sorry, Red Ibis Hosting. Um, and there you can see. I uh, usually I'll, I'll put up, you know, some before shots and after shots of people's websites or some brochures or different aspects that I've done while we're in the midst of redesigning um, uh, the two sites that I have right now. So redibis.com, which used to be the not-for-profit, is now actually going to be solely for publishing, whether it's short-run magazines or uh, digital publications. And redibis hosting is more for uh, website as well as hosting information. And in terms of email and contacting me directly, you can send an email to info, I-N-F-O, at redibishosting.com, or you can send it to the long version of my name, um, which is Deidre, D-E-I-D-R-A, period, McIntyre, M-C-I-N-T-Y-R-E, at redibishosting.com. So I gave the info one because it's, it's shorter, but either one of those will go to me, so it's just fine. Well, great. Uh, Jackie, um, you said Cynthia was in the uh, chat room. Cynthia Renee Frazier runs a networking group and community projects here in uh, Southern California in the Inland Empire. Uh, Jackie, do we have any uh, questions or callers on the line? Um, We do have a caller on the line. They haven't pressed the number once. I'm not sure if they want to speak, but I will check. Hello, caller from the 646. How are you today? Hello, hi. This is Debbie. Um, hi, everyone. Uh, I I just, um, I was having a problem online uh, with Blog Talk Radio, so I was just listening. <laughs> All right. So, um, okay, Deb. So are you um are you part of the Urban Tech Fair? Are you a friend of Deidre's? How'd you hear about the show? This is Deborah Hicks. Jackie, is this Jackie? Uh, oh, oh, okay, Deborah. Oh, hi. Hi. Deborah How Hicks are you? out of uh, New York. Uh so we have a Troy, fellow New, New York. Yorker uh, <laughs> on <Yeah>. the line. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Okay, so did you have anything, you know, for our guest? Uh, no, as I explained, I yeah. wanted to just let you know that Block Talk Radio um, was just—it was just very difficult to to make that happen. It was going in and out, and um, okay. I just wanted to bring it to your attention because that may happen for others. Um, you might okay. Well, the the show is uh, uh, downloadable in its entirety, and Jackie has diligently always uh, did short reports both on our uh, Facebook, uh, Google Plus, and uh, uh, LinkedIn sites. But thank you for giving us the uh, the information. I'm uh, surprised that you're on the line. I know that you're busy with the. Uh, with the new tour, uh, you want to tell us briefly about uh, your your uh, the uh, I'm thinking of the project now. Forgive me, Gabriel. It's a reconciliation tour in in uh, commemoration of the 50th anniversary march on Washington, and it will culminate in an unveiling of my uncle's never before seen photographs of the march. In life size 
uh, images, and I really want to make it public and free. Okay, so where will this take place? In Washington, D.C., on August 28th. Okay, August 28th, all right. Deidre is a publisher, so uh, once you've gotten your uh, your your pictures and the uh, the follow up text, you'd be a great contact to help get it out to the community. I know that there was a uh, everybody thinks of the March of Washington in terms of the Martin Luther King "I Have a Dream" speech, but there were so many other activities and people involved, and that was a very uh, historic event. Uh, Jackie. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about uh, Cynthia in the uh, chat room and her program? Okay. Well, Cynthia. Um, <laughs> well, Cynthia. Um, she saw. Said she just saw a story on Stiletto Networks. She said we need a UTF version. She said perhaps Deidre would like to start an online version for women of color. Hint, <laughs> hint. <laughs> Yeah, it's, yeah, that's Cynthia's program, Girls Got Geek. So, um, Cynthia, is that w, what is the contact? www.girlsgotgeek.com. So, um, but um, Cynthia's program is Girls Got Geek, and you can, um, and it is www.girlsgotgeek.com. And you can look up the program. And for anyone else, if you're having trouble listening in, the call-in number is 646-716-7994. Again, that call-in number is 646-716-7994. If you want to speak, just press the number 1, and we will love to hear from you. Now, as a as a woman in tech, I'm sure that you have some uh, uh, great stories to tell. Uh, but to those uh, uh, young girls that are looking at getting involved or are involved in the uh, uh, dot com industry, what advice would you have for them? I, I think as much as possible, try to um, if there's nothing in your area, nothing being offered in your area, uh, try to find out. If, if a local YMCA or somebody has a program for coding, if not, then go online to places like CodeAcademy.com and, and other places and just start taking classes and learn on your own. A lot of my own development, uh, aside from the initial startup phase of, of going to web girls and going to classes, a lot of that uh, was pretty much self-taught. And I, even today, I think people can, don't have to come out of in pocket at all, not very much. As a matter of fact, in terms of Code Academy, um, I, I would I would say the age you could start as young as maybe ten or eleven, as long as you know your timetables fairly well, you could start taking and understanding how to code. Um, I know I've, I've, my phone has been buzzing, so I know my my niece and nephew who are in their teens are listening right now, so they should go to codeacademy.com as well. <laughs> Because um, <laughs> they keep bugging. I'm listening. I'm listening. Um, yeah. So you know, don't be fearful that this is an adult space or only for adults. Or I need to have graduated high school. You know, middle school, upper elementary, 
uh, now is the time to really start and and work, you know, with your friends. What what are you up to? How many badges have you earned? Um, you know, what are you studying? What have you tried to build? And then try to create some 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 websites that are based on their current interests, even if it's following a you know an entertainer or or some other aspect of what's going on in the community, maybe something that you're interested in, such as urban gardening or something like that, and create a presence for that. But really learn how to code. And by code, I'm not saying learn how to install a WordPress blog or whatever. Really understand that WordPress is actually built using PHP and, and JavaScript and other you know open source languages and really understand how those languages work. I mean, to me, I always tell people it's the difference between, uh, and I, I keep using baking analogies because I used to bake a lot of cakes from scratch. I don't do it as much anymore, but um, it's the difference between using a box cake, you know, uh, by a, a major manufacturer where you're just adding maybe some two eggs and some water and some oil and putting it in an oven versus knowing how much flour to sugar to butter to you know, uh, other ingredients, extracts, and things like that, and learning how they work uh, together to make an excellent cake. So when you're learning how to code, you're learning how to make that cake from scratch. Does that mean that once you learn all the coding languages that you'll forever only use the code that you create? No, you'll probably start picking up on other people's codes and integrating them with your codes and, and things like that. But once you learn how all the languages work together, you can take other people's codes and then manipulate them for your own uh, purposes. So it's important to know the fundamentals of code. Um, and besides, it's, it's, it's probably one of the fastest growing uh, and highest paying <coughs> fields, and it's definitely, in terms of the United States, is definitely an area where there's a deficit uh, of uh, firing people to, to fill a lot of the coding positions. Um, out there, so the younger you you learn it, and and I wouldn't wait on the schools having um, taught in high school for five years. I understand the dynamic of public and even charter school uh, and even private school systems. They have so much other criteria to meet, and teachers unfortunately are not necessarily in a position to be exclusively um, coding teachers. Uh, you know, even those teachers who want to introduce code into the classroom, well. They probably had a certification in math or science, and that's probably the core area they're supposed to teach um, in, in the first place. So if they want to do something additional, they probably just wouldn't be exclusively the, the teacher that teaches code. So um, a lot of times you don't have those offerings in the school systems, and I have a feeling they won't be there for quite a long time just because schools are very slow to change. So your best bet is to get with a group of friends and or do it, do it independently and start learning how to take classes and learn how to create things on your own. And some of the best things to create are really apps. I mean, if you play a lot of phone apps and you know a lot of phone apps, start thinking of what would make a, a good app. Um, I know that um, what I, a site that I find interesting to go to just to, to stir my creativity sometimes I go to a website called um, betalist.com, um, and there's another one. Um, I think it's beta. It's beta li. dot st. It's the other one. So one is betalist.com, and one is beta li. Uh, dot st. And what they are are uh, sites that that monitor 
the new start tech startups, um, whether they're creating apps or they're creating full websites, and it will really show you uh, a list of companies that are in what's called beta is, is that we're not ready to show what we're doing to the public. However, if you want to um, sign up and we approve your sign-up, you can get an inside view of what we're developing and then give us feedback on anything that's broken. Or So most sites, before they, they launch, they have a bit what's called a beta period, an alpha period also, but a beta period means you loosely open it up to the public. So beta lists and, and the two sites, they kind of give you some insight into um, what people are coming out with and what they're creating. And some things it, it are very simple, and you kind of say, oh, I wish I had thought of that. So, for instance, I once went to, I can't remember the name of the site, but I went to two sites that were very similar, and they were basically regionally based. And what they did was they decided that a lot of the restaurant chefs in the area needed another rev, another revenue stream. So a bunch of restaurant tours got together and they're offering for people to come and make bids and offer that a chef comes to your house or comes to your ladies' day out event and prepares a full course thematic meal. So basically it's like a catering system, but you're not really uh, hiring a caterer. You're hiring someone who's an expert in a specific culinary field and they create a special menu just for your group. So, you know, I mean, I think that it's something very simple and something very unique that if you were having a lot of get-togethers and you were having a place where you could bring in your own chef or bring it, or even if you were having it in your home and, and add that to your your gathering and having a professional meal. And the, the and you would actually, in this website, actually bid on these. Right? So that was something I had discovered a while ago. I wish I could remember the names of the sites. I can't think of them off the top of my head. But if you go through these those two sites, you will find a number of different businesses that you might say, wow, I can make a similar app but then adjust it to my friends' interest groups or 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 my family, what they like, and, and it would probably be very successful as well. Okay. Uh, as an uh, educator. Yeah. Uh, real quick. Educator, okay, I just want to say real quick, we have a caller who's been wanting to um, speak for um, about the past 10 minutes, so I just wanted to bring the caller in. Um, okay. Caller from the 847, how are you? Hi, how are you? I'm doing great. Hello. Can you hear me okay? Yes, yes. I can hear you. Uh, what is your name and, and what city are you in? Hi, I, my name is Catherine Boatwright, and I'm in Evanston, Illinois. How, Hi, Catherine. What do you have for Deidre, Catherine? <laughs> Pardon me? What question do you have for Deidre? Hi, Deidre. I saw you earlier on LinkedIn, and thanks That's for... Right. Uh, I did see your LinkedIn. That's why I was like, oh, hi. <laughs> yeah. I I decided to tune in and listen to you guys' discussion. And so when I, I didn't have a problem finding you guys online, and it, I was able to find the program online without a, a problem. And then I called in and have been holding on in the queue while listening to the program. And it's very exciting to, to become involved and learn more about Deidre and um, this blog and the radio site itself. So, I had a question about, I have a new mobile app um, that I mentioned to Deidre already earlier in the week um, for babies. Um, it's called Baby Truth, and I wanted to know what you what you felt. I'm a black woman as well, Delta. Um, I think you're a Delta, right? All right. Yes, I am. <laughs> and um, so 
so I've created this mobile app, and I just kind of wanted to know what's, what you guys feel is the best way to kind of get it out there and promote it and kind of get some name recognition behind it. Yeah, I, I, you, uh, I didn't get a chance to, to look at the app because I actually just responded to your message uh, a few minutes before this call, and I did see it, and I kind of clicked on it, but I didn't get a chance to um, to uh, download it because I do have an iPhone. Um, and, and my suggestion is it, it, as soon as you have something that's, like, specific to a specific time period in a woman's life or whatever, just try to, as much as possible, market it towards people who are, you know, on their way to I'm, – I'm not sure because of of, of um, privacy laws or whatever, as much as you can talk to uh, doctors and hospitals and leave literature at, at, at mm-hmm. obstetricians' offices. Can I just leave this here for free? Um, and as much as you can network with, you know, and tell the doctors where your, your information is coming from, that would mm-hmm. be the best bet. Now, they won't necessarily give you the, their patients' Information, but they accept a lot of, of free stuff. Whether you you're just having a, a you know postcard, maybe with a QR code on it, um, mm-hmm. with instructions on how to use the QR code. Because a lot of people, I think, the QR codes are still fairly new, especially for our community. But as much as possible, people going into um, uh, doctors' offices or, or registries and trying to reach that specific demographic of those who are about to have. Um, uh, newborns as much as possible, um, or any magazines that are, are, are focused on you know expecting your your first child or whatever, because you know that's that's what you want to do. A kind of a wide marketing is is not going to help because you're going to get a lot of people who are not uh, expecting a, a child. But if, as much as you can narrowly focus on um, that particular market, um, and, and then explain what your what your app has to offer and then try to build that way. Great, right. Okay, great. Thank you so much. And that's uh, actually what uh, I'm doing. Kevin, generally, generally speaking, what I recommend is that uh, you do what uh, Dieter's uh, suggesting, but on uh, an Internet level. Um, LinkedIn, they have a number of different groups, uh, women's groups, health groups. Uh, join the group, uh, begin to see what they're talking about, and begin to talk about your product and your app and introduce yourself. Do not just try to sell, but engage the different groups and develop relationships that will refer you to other leads in other groups and do a similar uh, strategy on all your major uh, platforms as well as uh, the uh, Instagram and Pinterest, which are one of the most popular uh, networking platforms for women. You can go there and uh, post a picture up of a, of a maternity situation or, or a woman preparing uh, in a, a woman's gown and comment and leave your link uh, to your app or to your splash page to begin to build a, a brand recognition and to create some buzz online uh, about the app that you created. Oh, great. Yeah. Perfect. Thank um, you so much. Also, I have some advice for you. I'm a marketing strategist. That's what I do. Um, one thing also, as far as um, advertising would help, and the great thing about the Internet now, you can really um, focus your advertising. So, you know, make sure you know the demographics of your target audience and um 
you you know you can do mobile advertising. Therefore, you know you're already hitting you know people who have a mobile phone, and um, you know say and, and you're looking to target that market, and you can get advertisers that you know we can you can we can filter the data so that your ad is just focusing in on a specific market that you're going after. And everything else everyone said is, you know, also key, um, especially Deidre with the networking, with the, um, you know, um, doctors locally, you know, specialty niche groups, also party planners. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there are people that, you know, focus again on um or newborn babies, you know, event planners, there are um, whole organizations for planners and all, and those type of people um, you may want to go to their trade shows where mm-hmm. you may want to find trade shows, you know, in that, in that um, niche. And, you know, you put your display up um, at trade shows. You know, all of those are your various options. So like Deidre said, Make sure you know your target audience inside out, who they are and where to find them. Mm-hmm. Once you know who they are and what they like to do, it's easier to find where they are. When you find out where they like to be and hang out, those are the areas where you promote, you build partnerships and things like that. Great. Thank you so much for the information. Very informative. I really appreciate it. Have, have a blessed Thank evening. you for... Did someone say they had a question? Hello? Oh, no, just have a blessed evening, please. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Thank All you, right. Chris. All right, we yeah, have another have caller. A, uh, okay, let's take the call. Okay. This is caller from the 516. Hi, caller from the 516. How are you? Yes, hello. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Yes, <laughs> I know yes. that voice. Tell us your name and where and what city she you're in. She knows the voice. This is um, <laughs> my name is Cecilia Capers, and I'm calling from Nassau County in West Hempstead. And I was calling in because I work very closely with Deidre. She's actually my publisher. <laughs> yes, yeah, Cecilia is 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 uh, one of my uh, novelists, and her book um, "Too Much Is Given" is coming out this summer. We actually, um, if you search YouTube, you'll actually find a cinematic book trailer for To Whom Much Is Given. So if you search To Whom Much Is Given novel, um, you'll actually see the cinematic trailer that features Cecilia and uh, excerpts from her book as well as her background. Um, Because uh, one one of the, and I'll let Cecilia answer a question, but one of the um, directions that I felt that my company needed to go into, it really goes back to the journalism side of me and my my love of reading books. I really wanted to get into uh, book publishing. So if anyone was out there to know that there is a drastic change in um, traditional print book publishing because of the, the you're able to digitally pu- uh, print books on demand, um, you're able to print as little as one novel to, you know, six, seven hundred without going to the offset production and having to order in bulk. Um, so that makes printing um, far more affordable and accessible for people to uh, self-publish as well as indie publish. And and the other aspect is um, the fact that um, coding is behind the creation of 
books that are formatted for Kindle and for um, iPad and, 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 and Nook as well. So if you're learning HTML code or, or HTML, even up to HTML5, well, they don't call it HTML and HTML5. They call it Mobi and Mobi Pocket, and they call it uh, EPUB. But those other uh, ebook languages are basically very similar to HTML as well. They're, they're formatted slightly differently. Actually, they're almost packaged very differently. They're, the best way to describe it is to say it was it's HTML zipped together. So there, there are some certain differences in terms of the coding. But if you know one set of coding, you know another. So there's another revenue stream for people who are coding to be able to code people's um, novels and memoirs and, and things like that and format them for um, the digital readers that are out there. So, so you, you can talk now, but just to give some yes. segue. Yes, and Deidre didn't know I was calling in, but I was listening in, and I, I said I was going to lay back and cut because usually I'm, I'm, I'm good as a, a spokesperson for other people, but I, and I couldn't hold back. <laughs> so I had to call in because I, I wanted to point out some things that she said that I just wanted to amplify because I think they're at the essence of why you have this show on, on Block Talk Radio, which is creating a community and sharing information. And that was one thing that was great about Deidre is that she's – willing to offer a helping hand to point you in the right direction in this kind of world. And when I first started on my book publishing journey, I was very much a novice because I came out of a family that owned a, um, an independent bookstore in, book, in Brooklyn, New York. Some people may have heard of it. It's called Inkiru Books. And it was started by two of my family members back in the early 70s. And the book business uh, in, in general, even from the indie up to the, the, the mega corporations, has changed over the years. And she shepherded me through the process, but she also gave me the, the right direction so that I could just go online and learn a lot and read a lot myself. And Twitter has become a fantastic resource. Being on LinkedIn and finding people has become a tremendous resource. And as a teacher also myself, and one of the things that she pointed out was telling young people, it's this is the one thing that you can kind of, when you're at home and you're bored, you'll never be bored because you can go online and start learning. You can start digging for information, and there's so much of it out there. And by me getting involved with publishing my book with her and becoming – so proficient on social media, I parlayed that into doing political consulting, but political consulting for the online campaign and communications of a, of a candidate. So there's so many possibilities out there that are very non-traditional to the point that if, you, that if a person was working doing um, political operative work or political campaigning 10 years ago, the landscape has changed so much that there was no need 10 years ago to have an online communications person, and that's what I'm doing now. But you, you can cultivate so much of that, and it all begins with you start learn, like she said, learn coding, learn the different platforms, learn how to communicate across all platforms, because right now I'm monitoring about five different streams of communication online for the candidate, which is completely separate from uh, – 
how they communicate with the traditional press. And I think, like what Deidre is saying, if you're self-motivated, the, the, the possibilities are endless. Yeah, Cecilia had said that, that you know, when she, she always used to say when, when I first started talking to her that I'm not a technical person. I'm not a, you know, I can do some Facebook. I can do some whatever. And I just, just started sending her links because she said she had this, you know, she really loved Twitter. And I'm I'm not a great Twitter. I'm like, I'll post my Facebook world, and I know it goes to Twitter, but I'm not a person that's on Twitter. She really gravitated towards um, social media marketing. And I always see myself more as a producer or developer or content specialist than a marketer. But it doesn't mean I didn't have access to a lot of resources. So I was like, okay, is this what you want to do? And I sent her a blanket email with all these different links and all this stuff. And I was like, I don't even know what cloud is, but I know it does this, and I know it does this, and I know it does this. And I just start sending her stuff. And then she just took off on her own. So now she's sending me back emails and it's like, okay, well, if you need this effect, and it has to be done like this, this, that, and the other thing. Because it, there's just so many avenues to self-taught. And in the, the, the vein of, of, of publishing, publishing is about to – publishing, traditional book publishing is at the stage where the music industry was right before, right as Napster was hitting. You know, the, the, the apple cart has not completely fallen over yet, but it's about to turn upside down because of what I've seen out there. I don't know if – I think I, you noticed it because you had liked it a while ago, but I had actually put up a link on, on – um, well, a question on um, uh, the Urban Tech Group saying that were there any open source developers out there because this is an area in terms of e-books and interactive e-books and ebooks with social media capabilities, it, 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 there's there are about five or six different startups right now that most people don't even know exist, um, in which people are building these ebook selling communities, in which you could, let's say they're offering uh, Shakespeare's uh, Hamlet. I can go in, open the book, and I can read it with about seven or eight of my my friends, or if I'm a student, seven or eight you know classmates. And we can have the book exclusively to ourselves and comment, what's he talking about? What is he doing? I don't understand this quote. And chat back and forth within the book itself. So imagine Facebook within a Kindle. Mm. And when you have that kind of technology, and in terms of a, a Shakespeare work, you know, different places I've seen a lot of people offering a lot of the public domain books, such as, you know, Shakespeare, they're offering it for free. But in terms of, you know, people being able to, Access novels and have it have and have their book club within the novel itself. They can restrict it to their book club only, or they can set it to global. And anybody who's ever read the group, you can see any type of videos they've linked to it. You can see comments that are left, frequently quoted passages. You know, and this is this is stuff that's going on now. Um, you do. And just now. I, I hate to interrupt you, but uh, we've got about three minutes left in the show. Okay. And uh, you know, you really brought a wealth of information and, and, and knowledge uh, to the conversation. We uh, uh, truly, we've got to set up an, uh, an, another uh, another time for you to come on, so that we can uh, reach in depth to your education and your philosophy in terms of the need for coding and business being incorporated into the school curriculum. Uh, what you're doing on the social uh, civil and community service level, nonprofit side, uh, you know, we just can't cover you in an hour. 
But um, <laughs> we we only have so much time, and uh, and then it'll block off. So uh, as we like to end the show by saying that um, if you had, uh, in fact, I'll let Jackie close it out with her favorite question. Okay. Um, first, I'd like to ask you, Deidre, if you could. I'll, I'm going to send you a link, and this is for anyone interested. We are de- want, we're, we're developing our speakers bureau. If you have any type of presentations, we have various tracks. Um, but if you're interested, you know, so we'll send you the link. You fill out the form. Um, let us know what your um, presentation is. But publishing is a very significant platform. We started discussions on that. And um, it's just really great, everything we're talking about. But we definitely would like you to join the Speaker's Bureau. And you can just email info at urbantechfair.org. Or you can call us at one eight seven seven five five two seven. Zero one two. Guess one eight seven seven five five two seven zero one two. Give us a call and give us your information so that we can send you that link. Now our question is, and I'm going to open up the lines for everyone. So even if you didn't want to talk, because we got three callers in here that haven't pressed one, everybody's subject. And we're going to start with the nine one four. Then we're going to go to the eight four seven six four six. Um, 516, um, then we're going to go to you, Jim, and Deidre, you will close us out. So everyone, okay. this is a question. You have 30 seconds, and the whole world listening, what do you want to share? Starting with the caller from the 951. Oh, my goodness. Just, um, hey, get techie. Go geeky. Be you and geeky too. All righty. <laughs> and that's Cynthia Frazier, everyone. <laughs> Call her from the 847. Um, oh, wow, I, I didn't think you were going to put me back on, but um, I just want everybody, every new mom, to try to look for baby truths. And I appreciate the show, and I'm I'm going to become more involved in this platform. Thank you. Great. Now give us that name again, baby. Truths. T R U T H S. Okay. It's a mobile app for babies. It's on um, the Apple the App Store right now. Okay, Cynthia did ask in the chat room, what does it do? Oh, it just provides a wealth of information about what the newborn baby should be doing during the very first year of the baby's life, um, as well as it's interactive with vaccinations. You can record all the vaccinations that the baby gets, growth charts. You can journal about your baby all you want. And it's just a great way for people, caregivers, to know what the baby should be expecting. And if not, they're kind of warned. Okay, follow up with your doctor about this. If your baby's not doing this milestone, check with your care, your health care provider. I'm a registered nurse as well, and I have a special needs daughter that's 20 years old now, and I wish I had something like this when she was around. All right. Well, that's great. Thank you so much. Thank you. And now, okay. now we're going to the caller from the 646. Is this Deborah? Oh, Hi. <laughs> Uh, I want to share my uncle's art 
and photographs. I think they're exquisite, and I've already um, at least proven to myself that there's a market. Um, they've been exhibited uh, recently, and um, I'm, I really I want to do my um, urban tech fair. It's right after <laughs> because this is this is really going to create quite a wave. I really believe that. It's right. already um, taking on a spirit of its own, so. But I will update everyone. Okay. Um, and so, and what is that movement called? It's on August 28th, and what is it called? Reconciliation? Okay, August 28th, August 28th 2013, is the uh, first annual Troy City Rock Reconciliation Tour. And it's in commemor- it's commemorating the 50th anniversary to the March on Washington, 1963. And um, I plan to have an unveiling of my uncle's never-before-seen photographs of the event um, at the hour of Dr. King's speech. And I okay. uh, fully intend for it to be free and open to the public. All right. Okay. So, um, alrighty. So, thank you so much, Deborah. And now we're going to move on to caller from the um, five one six. I think I might be the the only person from the five one six. This is Cecilia Capers again, and just my last word is: I'm, I'm a teacher, and a former teacher. I'm an attorney at law, and I I want to just urge people. Never be afraid to leave your comfort zone. Never be afraid to continue to learn and, and stretch what you already have in your skill set and expand on that. You have, uh, by, by the time you reach a certain age, you have everything that you need to get you on the right path. Just find somebody who, like Deidre, is willing to mentor you um, in certain aspects and then just start cultivating your own brand because all of this, goes back to branding and communications where that's the heart of journalism and writing. Uh, just be prepared to, to seize opportunities. And I, I agree with the other caller, Go Geeky, that this is the wave of the future. It's here now. And just keep building on it. The, the possibilities are limitless. All right. And, Jim? You know, Deidre, we are so honored to have a, uh, a person like you with this has the history and the background uh, uh, in terms of the evolution of the whole dot-com uh, uh, economy. And that's what the Urban Tech Fair is about, is showcasing the people, the resources, the organizations that we have in and around our own backyard. Uh, we'd be amazed uh, at the people that are in middle America and uh, that are doing fantastic things. The Urban Tech Fair is about showcasing these people, showcasing these organizations. We are fantastic people doing unbelievable things with little or no resources. So we're about sharing the knowledge, sharing the dollars, promoting access, education, and commerce in our own community. All right. Deidre. Yes, I think my final word is uh, if anyone has any further questions, they can contact me by info at 
redibishosting.com or my long form, which is deidra.mcintyre at redibishosting.com. And I think it's very important that people um, never forget to continue being lifelong students and to teach yourself when no, there's no teacher available. I think that is the most difficult thing, not only for young people, but even for adults, because our education system is so set up to be task-oriented. The instructor is to tell me what to do, what to do next, what to do next. And sometimes you have to figure out what that next step is by yourself and learn by yourself. And then once you learn, to reach out and to teach other people um, what you have learned. I think that's pretty much how I've lived my life, and I've actually progressed because other people have chosen to teach me, and I just continue to pass it on. I think that's uh, the most vital thing, and that's the reason why, you know, Urban Tech Fair is so important because it's about teaching and, and mentoring on all different levels. I know I had uh, contacted Jackie behind the scenes and said, okay, well, you know, and she's going to put me in touch with people in Central Jersey area because I'm closest to New Brunswick. So anybody's out there from New Brunswick, um, Piscataway, South Plainfield, Plainfield, Woodbridge, Edison, that's my zone uh, of where I am. So um, let's get it together and make sure that there's going to be an urban tech fair either in Plainfield or in um, uh, Edison or in New Brunswick or somewhere nearby so that the the, the adults and youth within our um, area can most benefit from um, the, the the series. Okay, well, I just want to thank everyone for tuning in. Again, you can check out the Urban Tech Fair www.urbantechfair.org, and the site will be updated real soon. As just hope it's this week. And um, but if you have um, any questions, anything, please submit it to us, and we're excited about you know the possibilities are just endless and we thank you so much Deidre as Jim said you know you've just been a dynamite guest and all of our women online you know please um, if you're on Facebook join us in Facebook or join us in LinkedIn so that we can continue networking so we have a fan page and a group on Facebook that's very active and um, we're also on LinkedIn. And everyone else, uh, we speak for you. Peace and love. And we're just going to say goodbye. I may not be able to close out, but we're just going to say um, you guys can just go ahead. My computer's acting a little bit, up a little bit. <laughs> we're just going to say goodnight. Goodnight, everybody. Goodnight. Thank you for having me. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.